2: Where can you find groups of people who are paying a lot for healthcare and that you can offer them a service that's not only going to impact their healthcare costs, but more so it's going to really change the lives of people because most employers have had somebody come in and say, I'm not going to be at work for the next six months. I'm fighting this cancer, you know, or they don't want to tell their employer because they're worried about what the repercussions are going to be. Hey, I'm really struggling with this behavioral health issue, but I can't tell anybody because I'm going to lose my job. Now they've got a service that they call a nurse who says, you know what, this is going to be handled discreetly, nobody knows what you're doing, but we are going to change your life. And we're not going to stop until we find you the best clinical expertise imaginable.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell.
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13, wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McKrispie Sandwich.
0: Hello there, TNQ Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm Andrew Brockenbush, the producer, joined by Marcus Morgan-Luttrell Brothers, host of the podcast. What up, dudes? Howdy.
1: Andrew. Andrew Brockenbush. Brockenbush. What do you got for us today? We got a good show today, guys. A good one? Real good one. Our guest is on the innovative leading edge of telemedicine. You right. always have to appreciate somebody who's bringing something to the table because of an experience. He created his his business because of his daughter, and his daughter had a stroke.
0: I feel like those are the businesses that are most successful because you're most invested. Passion, heart, love, desire. Oh, you never forget
1: where the drive comes from.
0: It gets hard and challenging.
1: <laughs> Mr. Clint Phillips.
0: Well... Before we jump into that, we're going to do what we do every week, share a listener story. This week's coming from a fan of ours that's highly supportive of of the show, of the Team Never Quit brand, but she asked us to keep her anonymous, so that's what we're going to do, and I'm going to just jump right into her story. First, I want to say thank you for everything you do. You have no idea how much you have helped me heal over the past two years. I debated sending this for months because I don't like people knowing everything that has happened in my life, but finally realized the difficult road I've been down and my recovery could help someone else. So what the hell? Here goes. However, please keep it anonymous because my story does involve domestic abuse. My story started five years ago after I went through a divorce. Jumping back into dating is hard enough, but gets even harder when you're doing it with kids. So I dated some, but not a lot. I met one guy that seemed pretty amazing and we dated for about a year. However, I saw things were not going to work out long term, so I ended it. Remember, he had never showed signs of hurting me or any intentions that alluded to such. He did get kind of out of control when he drank, but never violent. So a few weeks passed, and after a normal breakup, you find things in your home that belong to the other person. I did, boxed it all up, and told him I would leave it in my garage, just to come by and get it when he could. It was a normal morning without my kids. I was running late like always and rushing around my house in a hurry. I hear someone enter my front door but didn't think much of it because my dad is retired and would come over a lot in the mornings for coffee and talk while I'm rushing around the house like a crazy person but I could just tell by the footsteps that it wasn't my dad. I cautiously peep downstairs to see what's going on. I don't get too alarmed because my dog didn't bark, so it was someone I knew. I saw it as my ex-boyfriend and nicely tell him his stuff is in my garage and I'm running late, so I can't talk right now just to call me later. He proceeds up the stairs anyway, and I notice, damn, he's drunk, and it's only 7 a.m. I can't let him leave like this, so I call my boss and tell him I'd be late because I have to get him sobered up before I can let him leave. I hang up the phone and turn around and hear, if I can't have you, no one else will either. That is when all this goes to hell in a handbasket. I'm feeling very uneasy, and immediately I start backing up to try to get to my bedroom where I have a pistol hidden in my end table. He too knows this, so he immediately grabs me and throws me down the flight of steps by my forearm, shattering both bones in my arm. As I fell down the stairs, this is when they think it broke my collarbone, tore my ACL, and broke my ankle. I wish it had knocked me out, but it didn't, unfortunately. I remember I have a pistol in my purse and try to pull myself over to it because it is just feet from where I landed, but I just can't because I'm hurting pretty bad. Last thing I remember is him mumbling something and this horrible pain hitting my lower back, then my stomach, and then this burning sensation in the back of my head. That's all I remember, and I was then, thank God, knocked out. He then left me there. All this happened in only about 15 minutes. Remember, I had called work to say I wasn't going to be late, so I was screwed. I was basically beat to death, and no one was coming back for me for a while. What he forgot is my Labrador was a trained search and rescue dog, and I had installed a dog door that was chipped in her collar so she could come and go outside if she needed to. I hadn't turned her collar off yet because I hadn't left. I was told she went to the neighbor's house and barked nonstop at their door until she got someone to follow her to her house and come in. My dog had basically saved my life. My neighbor was sure I was dead because I was completely non-responsive. I was immediately life to a trauma center a couple hours away. My injuries included both bones shattered in my left forearm, which had to be plated and screwed back together. Collarbone broken, numerous broken ribs, torn ACL, broken ankle, severely bruised liver, ruptured spleen, and a head trauma that caused swelling of the brain. I was hospitalized for nearly three months, most in the ICU, then started the long process of therapy and recovery. Remembering all this, I have young kids. During my recovery was when I was blessed to be introduced to you guys. I would listen to y'all for inspiration and just to laugh. Between y'all, my kids and friends and family is what kept me fighting. I'm still dealing with the mental recovery as it has only been two years. I'm still experiencing a lot of anger, confusion, and PTS. Some of this may never completely go away, but I'm learning how to deal with it. The physical aspects have healed completely and I am told between the internal injuries and the head injuries, it's a miracle I'm even here, much less nearly fully back to normal. Abuse is not always evident and can happen when you least expect it. If anyone else out there is going through this, just know three things. One, abuse is never okay. I went through the phase of saying it wasn't his fault, it was the alcohol. I even blamed myself at one point. Pound it into your head that it's never okay. You can get through it. Find something that inspires you. That may be your kids, a podcast like this one, a volunteer opportunity, Bible group, working out, counselors, or all the above. Find someone you can trust and talk to. Most important, remove from your life people, things that bring you down. You only need positivity. Negative people and things are only going to set you back. I just recently realized this. Three, take things one day at a time. You will have bad days. I still do, and it is very hard for me to trust any man. And you know what? That's okay, too, because I don't have a timeline. Take things one day at a time. One meal at a time and one step in front of the other. Trust the process and it does get better. I want to say thank you to Team Never Quit for bringing me into your family. You guys have been a pivotal part of my recovery and healing. You may not realize it, but you touch the lives of so many people every single day. I thank God I found you all.
1: There's not a day that goes by because brother and I have so much to offer some son of a bitch that that hits on women. Oh, And I wish there was like a panic button on somebody's phone that would directly call us and we could just like be there and really just, hey. Yeah, because you can beat <laughs> on me all, us all oh, day long. Oh, yeah, all you want, buddy. Go and, ahead. But just stand by, because the thunder's <sighs> coming. And so Anonymous, and I hate that, you know, it, it comes to this, and I understand, but there are men out, there are good men out there. I'm sitting in a room with two of them. And, you know, don't let one bad apple spoil the bunch, because... I, I see that I, I see that happen a lot, and it, it for for those of us that are really out out there trying, you know, and and I, we raise our sons that way, just like, hey, look, you know, you have to respect women. You never lay a hand on a woman. It's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You are they are put on this earth by God for us. You need to respect that. Oh yeah, man. They've done a study over time. What happens when you pull women away from men? It's called prison. You know, we separate and kill each other. And in any capacity, if you if there is a mutt out there that would put his hands on you to do you harm, there's a there's another one on the other side of, that would protect you from it. I mean, we were raised up kind of like junkyard dogs. Trash or treasure, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you, man, we'll protect you. And we're not good to look at, you know, no one keeps keeps outside, whatever. But the only time a man should ever put his hands on you is if, is if you want it. And I, I hear guys like, what if they go to whip, you know, what if Ronda Rousey went to whipping on you? I'm like, first of all, how, that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy it. All right, let her beat on you all day long. First of all, she's a professional, and she, she wouldn't do that unless you absolutely deserved it. But I, I've never even raised my voice at a woman. People are like oh yeah, no, sure you yeah. have. Like no, no, I've never raised my voice at a woman because I've kept up with it. So there's any guy who comes home and beats on the wife and kids. That means he's getting beat on out out in town. You know, and he just that's how they how they vent that. Anonymous, don't let don't let this define you and you know and I'm, and I'm a man saying this and I that may not make sense. You know, sometimes I you know I can't put myself in a female's shoes because I wasn't on the receiving end of this. But like you said, you got to move on, you got to take it day by day. You can be absolute anything and you can look you can get past this. It's it's not easy. I know. I've been through some hard times myself. Oh yeah, man. We've been beat down. You know, we've plenty of fights with with men, you know, just taking hits from them too i mean and it's like my brother said don't let it define you man it, it came out of it, it makes you stronger a bad time isn't something that you gotta take every day with you everywhere you go it's something you had to take at that moment and when you come out of that you take the what you learned from it and you're stronger don't be scared to talk about it no some of the best therapeutic medicine there is out there is to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and say this is how i'm feeling you know and if you can't find any anonymous. You can't find anybody. Honest, can't find anybody to listen to send it into the podcast, brother. And I will pull you up on the phone. You just vent all you want. We got big shoulders.
0: Yeah, they're happy to do it. Yeah, thanks for writing your story. It, it, it speaks to us, but it speaks to the community. It speaks to this family. Speaks to this team. So thanks for having the courage to share your story.
1: If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing that changes their life forever. So why don't you take a minute to share your story with us at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on that share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.
0: All right, guys, it's that time again. Patreon question of the day, y'all's favorite. Today's question comes from Michelle, who asks if you could only own one gun, what would it be? Is this like a
1: timeline thing?
0: I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it matters. I don't know if we should go too far too far back in time. I don't know if our history.
1: Alexander the Great had a, um, had a muskets. Turkish musket. <laughs> Present day, it would have to be a six-five Creedmoor. Any other time? Who I have that gun. And I love Any it. Any other time. Mm. One. So you got to be able to hunt with it, defend yourself with it, paddle the boat with it. It would definitely be a rifle. Yeah, a rifle. Seems like it'd have to be. What's the most? What, Mossberg? You know, you the 1911 pistol, Springfield, them things been around forever. 44 Winchester saddle. Sharps 50. No, that's two things pain in the ass. Breech loaded 44 saddle gun. Sharps, sharps carbine. Like a Red rider. 44 version of a Red Rider. That, Winchester repeater. That changed everything. That and you know, God created man equal. God created man. Sam Colt created him equal. <laughs> that, made, him equal what, made, made him equal. Made equal. Yeah. Is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say modern day would have to be the six five and then any, any, any air, any time. What's the most universal? Shotgun? Shotgun. Yeah. Shotgun, right? Yeah. Probably sure. after that. 12 shotgun. gauge. Probably yeah. 12 gauge. 12-gauge shotgun. 12-gauge shotgun. Let's go with that. 12-gauge. Yeah, you load it up with slug and, yeah, that's it. Good there question. Way, nice
0: question. There you go, Michelle. Thank you so much for, thanks for asking your question. Ah, well,
1: at least we got to it. Yeah, We're we got to go, to go it. through every one of them. No, <laughs> that'd be right. cool. A I minigun. Mean, not too heavy no, no, after no. a while. That. Water gun. I mean, the universal sign for don't move is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sh- <laughs> that's a shotgun. Yeah. yeah, hey, That's one of recognizable <laughs> sound, right?
2: Yeah. And that yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Pump on a... Don't move. 12-gauge sliding.
0: If you want exclusive access to the show, bonus behind-the-scenes content, ask your questions. You can join us on Patreon. You get exclusive access to all that fun stuff. Access to our community where you can support others. Get rare access to Morgan, Marcus, and all of our incredible guests. Join us at patreon.com slash Quit.
1: All right. Welcome back to the show, brother. Let's do it, man. I'm fired up. How's everybody doing today? Welcome back. Today we have Clinton Phillips in the studio with us, face to face. It's always better have it that way because we get to get a personality, and there's always a lot more emotion going on when I when I get to sit here and, and chat back and forth in the room with somebody. That's awesome. He is the CEO, founder, and president of Medici Telemedicine. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Because I, and, and here in here in Texas, we have a tendency to butcher it, but luckily I got a science background, so kind of go into that. I called it Medici.
2: Medici. Med. I'll take it either way. Medici, <laughs> Medici, Medici.
1: You know what I mean. You yeah. know what I tomato potato. Come on, let's get this thing straight. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Warner. Uh,
2: I am originally a South African. Uh, played rugby. Moved to the U.S. to play rugby in Aspen, Colorado, and I was trained in physical therapy and chiropractic, and uh, met these um, older folks who really were serious about their exercise and getting out of pain, and met a lot of people in bad back pain who had been around the world and tried all these things and were really struggling um, and started a clinic that helped people avoid surgery and we helped a lot of people with um, back pain. It's the Laser Spine Institute, correct? The clinic sold to Laser Spine Institute Mm -hmm. when um, my little girl had a stroke and we realized just how difficult it was to access quality or the best doctors. We were looking for the best doctor because we were told our doctor could never walk or talk. So we realized it's great to be able to fix people's backs, but if we're from healthcare and we're confused on where to go next and who to speak to, like what does the average mom do, a single mom, to try and find expertise for her um, daughter? So we sold the clinic to Laser Spine Institute, and we moved to Houston to start Second MD, which would give you access to the world's best doctors via video. Tell us a little bit about, um, if you don't mind, because I understand that's 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 the
1: root of how you kicked all this off. Tell us a little bit about your baby girl and how that... I can only imagine how challenging it is for someone. And I have kids. I have babies. So if something happened to them, I would, it, I would comb the world over. Yeah. And if there wasn't something I that was, I thought, in the best interest of my babies, I'd stand something up just like you did. So if you yeah. don't mind, just kind of digging into that. Tell us a little bit about baby girl.
2: Yes. My little uh, Gabby, she is... Um, it was very scary. A few days after birth, um, she had a stroke. We didn't even know a baby could have a stroke. You think of your granddad having a stroke, not Mm. your baby girl. And uh, what was even scarier when we went to our doctor, she was in ICU for a few days and came out and went to our doctor and they said, uh, oh, that's a neurologic. We can't help. We're like, you're a pediatrician. What do you mean you can't help? They're like, yeah, you've got to go see a pediatric neurologist. And there's none anywhere near Aspen, Colorado. You're going to have to go to Denver and So we wait a while to find out who to go to. We wait to be able to go see. Um, We have to drive, stay overnight to meet a pediatric neurologist who says, uh, oh, she's had a stroke. Um, It's pretty serious. She'll never walk or talk. And um, there's nothing you can do. Like, what? what? So we go home that night and we're Googling, like, how good was this doctor? And you can't tell. You go online and you Google how good a doctor is. It's marketing and fluff Mm -hmm. and nonsense, and we can't tell if we spoke to the best doctor in the country or a clueless doctor. So that really started the wheel spinning of, wow, if we, from a healthcare background, are this confused as to what to do next. We said, like, please, God, give us a solution, not just for our daughter, but for other families that are struggling with the same type of initiative. A few people told us that Texas um, Children's Hospital was a great hospital. Mm -hmm. We looked it up. It had some really good research. Um, a four month waiting list to see the pediatric neurologist. Sure. So we submit everything. We're like, hey, we'll pay cash, just like whatever. We just want to, we just want to. The get worst part help. is the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. She can't move, Parallels down the rights of her, her body. We wait four months to see the pediatric neurologist. Meet this lovely lady. She says, um, oh, I don't work with stroke. She said, but I'll refer you to somebody who's really good. I'm like, Doc, we've waited four months to see you. We've told them this was stroke. We've sent our files. We've done all this. She's like, don't worry. I've got a really good doc for you. Three-month waiting list. I was easy. Across the hall, ready to talk yeah. to us right now? Yeah. Three-month waiting list for this guy. And we're like, we will take any appointment, canceled appointments, morning, lunch, evening. We'll do whatever. They're like, yes, 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 whatever. Three-month waiting list to see the doctor. By that stage, we had already realized there's no way that people can wait seven months to talk to a doctor when they've got a paralyzed child. So I'd stepped out of my clinic one day and said to my mom, Mom, I think I've got a God idea. Uh, I think we need to build a network of the world's best doctors and make them accessible by video. Sounded really nice. Didn't know just how hard that would be to accomplish. Um, But um, that is in place today. So our little Gabby... um, we started with some therapy and we cobbled together the beginnings of second MD and uh, we sat with her on our lap and we had this video consult with the head of uh, pediatric neurology at Miami Children's Hospital and he was sitting at home and he said, this is great. And he said, we said, we've got 20 things that we've researched on what to do for our daughter and we told him the first one and he said, your daughter's not an experiment. She's not a pincushion. You're not going there. There's no science to back that up. The second thing was like, we've read in Europe we can inject stem cells into a brain. It's like they telling you stem cells are not there yet. We mm-hmm. don't know. And we're like, okay, done. Number three, and we went through 20 things and he basically put a line through 19 of them and then alerted us to one or two other resources that were really turned out to be incredibly effective. But in 25 minutes, we learned more and got more knowledge and trust and expertise than in our months and months of searching online, calling around, doing all these pieces. And so that was life-changing for us, and we realized, wow, just how many other people and how many conditions could we do um, this for? And how is she today? My little Gabby, I can't talk about her without smiling. She's 10 years old now. She walks, she talks, she's in regular school. She's beautiful. Her brain is different to other kids. She struggles with math, but her memory is remarkable. Um, Who done? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she's got this sense of smell that she can walk into any place. And she'll walk in here and she'll say, Dad, this reminds me of when we were at that house in Mexico and they had that thing. So she just got a different brain. Um, she's doing really well. She struggles with her right hand. So we do therapy on her right hand um, a few days a week. She does exercises every day, but she's delightful. And the doctors have said, like she's by far the most functional child we have. Like she doesn't need to come back. You know, there's nothing to talk about. She's a regular little girl, just needing some more rehab. And then just just keep going, keep doing that, keep pushing that right
1: hand and it will, it will come back to a baseline.
2: I'll tell her that you said so. To that's going to carry a lot of weight. Every I'm single her day, the trail it'll get so. better. It'll okay. get better. It'll get better. Thank the you. The second she
1: stops and says, I'm good. Yes. That's not the case. Yeah. The, the, the challenges in the medical space to change the landscape of what we as a society know is one of the most difficult things because in the medical space we, we tend to work in silos which I, I can I, I know you can appreciate this yes how receptive were they were 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 the f- the people you were reaching out to initially and then obviously now because you're over 10 10 million second 10 MD. Million
2: members yes that's
1: incredible how can you walk us through that because I know that frustrations are real and it had to be arduous that they you, know, you know what, this maybe this just isn't meant to be, but you hung you hung in there, you stuck it out.
2: Yes, I think the uh you have to have a personal commitment that is so fierce and so we had burnt all the bridges, we sold our clinic, we invested our money. I went back to these other wonderful folks that we had met from Aspen and had done rehab and said, like please, we want to do something that could really change healthcare. Um that turned out to be the easy part of getting some money together and we started to build the software, but then you start to run into the barriers. State laws say you can't do this across the state Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, national and state laws say you can't employ a doctor this way. And healthcare systems say, well, no, we only want to do this if our name is front and center. And, we want the notoriety. And we want that. And you can only use our doctors. Mm. But we say, but your doctors aren't the best in these fields. They're really good here. So we want to bring in the best doctors from this facility. And so no, we don't work with other facilities. And we don't share our information. And the insurance company say, we don't want to pay for any of this. So there are... Barriers set up in every possible place. And unless you have a really personal uh, story... If you haven't been
1: affected directly,
2: people will turn their cheek. Oh, yeah. I would have gone back to helping fix people as a therapist, and that would have been an easy life than to just feel like you're hitting your head against the wall um, every day. Um, Fortunately, the fact that there are amazing doctors who realize that they are in this mess... And they can't fix it, but maybe they can help you. And uh, maybe there are these members and patients that you run into every day who go like, you, you don't understand, you you change their life. It gives you the fuel to really carry on. But the silos, healthcare is a very, like many industries, is just behind the times. People are fiercely protecting their revenue. You've got pharma, you've got hospitals, you've got insurance companies making billions of dollars. And the idea of improving or changing that, making sweeping change is mm-hmm. terrifying. It affects their bottom line. Yeah, they've they've got five-year budgets that they're working towards, and now you're coming in and saying, you know what, you could just get rid of that part of your facility. You could just get rid of that department mm-hmm. if you change things. Um, is not a very easy way to go around. No.
1: And they'll tell you straight to your face with, oh, this is a great idea, we're all behind this, until you walk out the door. Yes. Because chances are they haven't had their baby girl go through something or needed yes. a doctor in Miami when we're in, when we're in LA yes. and can't get over there to them, i.e. their drive, flyer, or any other means. Yeah. And how great, how great would it be if all you have to do is jump online, but here we go, we run into the restrictions of, I can't go across a state line.
2: Yes. I can't share your information. I'm not going to pay you. I'm going to block you. Um, so those are many of the challenges, but for the opportunity, if you can fix them, the rewards are... Remarkable.
1: What was the first, what was the first win, if you will? Was, where was this, who was, yeah. where was it? Who, was there a doctor that said, I'm all in and it, everyone just kind of, with well, the way that I understand it, if one, if there's a success, it starts to s- steamroll and snowball yes. and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Is there any one particular incident?
2: Yeah, I think it was um, getting the first three or four doctors to agree that they were remarkable doctors and that they would be on because most of the doctors we spoke to said, Hey, I'm the director of the department at this top hospital. You think I'm willing to risk my license and my employment to help some stranger across the other side of the country? Are you crazy? And so we heard that enough times. We're like, but you don't understand, like imagine the impact that you can have with your knowledge on that person. So getting a a few of the doctors, the first doctors across the line was really helpful. But what was interesting, just because you got the best neurology doctors, didn't mean that the cardiology doctors cared. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean that the orthopedic surgeons cared. You had to win over people in each of those. I think one of our biggest wins was when an employer said to us, uh, it was a company in Houston, Moody National, I will buy your service for all of my employees. They had 500 employees and they said they would pay us a little amount per employee per month that if any of the employees ran into an issue that they could use our network. And that was like the first bit of like validation of, there's some revenue gonna come in from this, there's some predictability, there's somebody who's gonna talk about it to their employees. Mm -hmm. Because we had a challenge in our business model is we helped somebody in an amazing way and then they said, thank you, I hope I never have to ever speak to you again. <laughs> and that's the right outcome. Sure, You know, like, hey, I got what I needed for my heart or for my cancer. And hopefully I never have to deal with this again. So now you go, well, how do we find the next person? So I think our win was finding a model of where can you find groups of people who are paying a lot for healthcare, and that you can offer them a service that's not only going to impact their healthcare costs, but more so it's going to really change the lives of people because most employers have had somebody come in and say, I'm not going to be at work for the next six months. I'm fighting this cancer, you know, or they don't want to tell their employer because they're worried about what the repercussions are going to be. Hey, I'm really struggling with this um, behavioral health issue, but I can't tell anybody because I'm going to lose my job. Now they've got a service that they call a nurse who says, you know what? Um, this is going to hand, be handled discreetly. Nobody knows what you're doing, but we are going to change your life. And we're not going to stop until we find you the best clinical expertise imaginable.
1: I mean, that's the difference between a helper and a healer. Think about it. When you go in to see the doc, man, you want them to fix you just like your your car. If something's wrong with your car, you don't take it in there, and they just keep covering it up. If somebody throws you on a pill or regimen for, hey, take these for 15 years, keep coming back and seeing them a minute, I mean, they're not healing you. They're just kind of covering that up. And even the guy who graduates last from medical school is still a doctor. And every other field of anything we do on this planet, I mean, inside that you have those that are good and those that aren't. Those that just kind of they know what the book says and they can always refer back to it. That's why they don't venture far from it. Like if you throw something magnificent out there that actually could work, they just hadn't put that in, then that ought to tell you then they're not one of those kind of doctors. They're just like, hey, I know what this does. It says I need to do this right here. And then they get complacent in that. But with a true healer, they' would be like, hey, man, where are they at? Somebody's hurt, let's go, let's do whatever. I I have a special, this is what I'm really good at, but I'll do whatever I can in every other field. Matter of fact, I got some buddies too. And then you get that round table that you've created, that meeting of the minds. You literally check in there. And a lot of them guys, they won't do that because they show all the other dogs how stupid they are, right? Or what they don't know because they got that big name behind them that somebody else created and it falls over the top of them. They don't want to disrupt that. But if you have somebody who's a true student of the game, because medicine changes every day, Yes. as humans do. And, you know, everything kind of metastasizes and grows in a different direction. If you're not always looking for the next thing to, to, to get ahead of it, to stop it, then you're just, you're just facilitating it. And that's, you know, fear generates in all of us. In the beginning, probably a lot of them younger doctors that were saying that, like, oh, I can't do this. Even the guy who was running the show, he's probably, what, 30, 40-something years old? You get those guys who've been around and see it, and they're like, instead of shoveling a whole bunch of pills down your throat, say, yeah, oh, you know, drink this Coke and quit yeah, eating that are, garbage, right? Well, those are probably yeah.
2: the worst ones were the older ones. The younger ones were probably... Well, you know, what's interesting is the older ones have uh, a lot of the expertise. The younger ones are up for new technology, but they haven't, they haven't been involved in clinical trials. They haven't studied, you know, uh, uh, done a lot of publications. So you want that doctor who cares the healer as you're talking about there and you want that doctor who's really got the expertise and it's not you cannot tell that from any website and you cannot tell whether this doctor cares. So people say, my guy's the best. Based on what? Where did he finish in his class at medical school? Not one person will ever know where their doctor finished at medical school. Um, Well, how many publications and how many peer-reviewed publications has your doctor done? Are they involved in clinical trials? Do they give a damn? Like, do they really care about their their patients? And so those are so many things that have to come together for um, to really know if you've got somebody remarkable. Medical knowledge doubles every two years. So doctors cannot stay up to date. So the doc, he says, yeah, this is the way that I've always done it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the CEO of Second MD now who took over from me doing a remarkable job, he broke his neck skiing and was life last year to Denver and was told we're going to fuse your neck and that's the only way you can do it and so he had a second MD consult spoke to the head of neurosurgery in Chicago and he said well if you do that surgery you'll never you'll lose 50% of your range of motion in your neck the rest of your life this is a young guy 40 years old and so and very active great sportsman um, he said there's another procedure you can have that's a lot simpler and you just put a screw and it's holds that hangman's fracture together and you keep 100% of your range of motion. I said to the surgeon, well, could we do this surgery? The guy said, well, no, I don't do that surgery. I never learned it. He said, but it would be better for you, but I don't do it. So I said, well, it would be nice if you told us that. Sure. but <laughs> you we, didn't ask,
1: so I'm not gonna let you know. Yeah,
2: didn't, you didn't ask. You going probably so, lead
1: with that next time. <laughs> yeah, why
2: don't you lead with that next time? Yeah. Moved him to the next hospital and they did the surgery and a few days later he was back in the office versus spending weeks and months and so, probably not a skier anymore, but <laughs> he, you know, he's crazy enough to go back and ski and um, high jump. High jump, is to almost like land on his neck, but he's fully recovered and um, being able to speak to the right person who cares. For the listeners, what's the reach? How many
1: doctors? I mean, I got to know. I got. I would have to think that so many specialties now, so many more people are going, going, coming on board. So. Is there an opportunity for anybody in any discipline or looking for a specific discipline to find that on Second MD? And if it's not, is there a way that through Second MD they can find somebody? And hypothetically, what I mean is, like, let's say hey, they're looking for—I'm just total hypothetical. Let's just say oncology wasn't on there, and they had cancer of the brain. Could they go to Second MD? Like, hey, I need a doctor for this.
2: Would Second MD assist them in the network? Second MD works a little differently. Ideally, we'd love to get to that point. Um, to really make a recommendation of a doctor, you have to spend time with that person because the best brain cancer doctor for you is very different depending on the type of cancer, sure. depending on where the cancer is, depending the stage of the cancer, depending if it's yeah. treatable with if surgery or you know what type of uh, treatment options. So we have to get to understand quite a bit about the case to be able to make that recommendation. So it's not like you can just come on and say breast cancer, and he has the best guy for you in the state. So we've got 700 doctors now on second MD across 130 subspecialties, basically every subspecialty. Um, we've got a doctor that treats Ebola. Now, we haven't had an Ebola case, but we had clients who said, hey, we've got people who go to and Africa. It here. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes back. We need to know if somebody's sweating and they don't know what it is. Like, we need to know. So we've got an Ebola doctor. Is he in Dallas? Um, I don't know where he is. We haven't used him. I know that. And <laughs> that's good. We're grateful for that. Um, we're grateful for that. So we've got every specialty built up. The challenge is, is that insurance companies don't reimburse it. So the only people who pay for it right now are employers And employers cover it this way. So we've now got 10 million members across employers. But we have a way. It's always hard to turn uh, our back on individuals who need it. But it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. Paying for this doctor's time. So if you go to our website, you can actually see consults. We don't push it, but we do it for people every day. Um, For $3,000, we can take people through that whole process, retrieve all your medical records, really understand the condition, match you to the doctor, have the video consult, Get the notes back afterwards from the doctor is exactly what you discussed. You can bring your doctor, your mom, your uncle, everybody into that consultation to make sure you get all the questions done. Most of them happen on nights and weekends. So it's a completely different setting when you sit with your family and you're asking these questions versus at the office and the doctor's rushing to get to the next person. The next and and you're sitting minutes. in the waiting room wondering when appointments start on time. That's probably the biggest surprise for people of like, Not only was that doctor incredible, but- it started at eight o'clock and they were there. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I've never had an experience like that.
1: I mean, that's some, that that ratio between the amount of people that are on the planet and the actual doctors to treat them is got to be unbelievable, especially ones that that are that can specialize. And we it's and we want this too. You know, medical schools are supposed to be difficult. Some of them, I mean, in reality, you have some of the most some of those brilliant ER doctors that are doing stitches and band aids and and stuff. You know, common stuff and um it takes a long time i mean just to go through what a hand doctor eight years of school yeah i mean just to work on certain parts of that and then dealing with the internal schematics of the human body and the brain i would imagine it's a patient to doctor ratio and then the willingness to to have the surgery yes because when they say something's experimental man we we know this is probably going to work there is some science behind it we just haven't road tested it enough yes and then those doctors that do have the capability and, and are lucky enough to get in those, they're the ones that become the resident expert yes. with only a handful of them underneath their belt, really. Yeah. But we tend to make medicine real complicated. It's like, hey, man, something's wrong with me. Come in here and let me see what's going on with you. Just, and, and instead, it's like, hey, you see that commercial about dudes laying on the on the operating table and they, they're sliding his credit card and they're waiting for it to go through? <laughs> clear. He's like, all right, clear. And he shocks him. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And that's terrible, but it's kind of the truth. <laughs>
2: Well, the reality is that doctors go into medicine for the right reason. If you really go back and ask, ask a doctor this question when you meet them, when did you know that you wanted to be a doctor? They've got these amazing moments. We were interviewing a doctor the other day and he said, my brother had a terrible bicycle accident and ripped open his head and his brain and it was like a neurosurgeon, an ER doctor. And he said, dealing with the ER doctor at a boy's age, he was like, I want to be that guy. I want to be that ER doctor, and today's a remarkable ER, infectious, pediatric, triple qualified um, doctor, but it was that moment. So doctors go in for the right reason, but they get into this broken system that says, you know what, you can only care for the people, and the hospital and these places say you can only care for the people who meet these criteria. They've got this insurance, they can pay this, and you can't care for the people who have the disease. Oh, and by the way, we're going to send you people that... Are not even in your specialty, or not even in your interest, but because we need to push volume through, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to do this. So some of these docs, you know, they're in a terrible place now. They're burnt out, they're bored, they're frustrated, they're uh, sitting with electronic health record systems that don't support them delivering care. Uh, and, it, you know, they've given up, they've checked out, they're depressed. They. Um, you're not seeing the best side of them. When you can connect them with people in a way that allows them to make a difference to be they love that idea of being the hero to what they want to do that's what they want they wanted to be the guy who was like solving problems every day sure now they're doing administration and in these broken systems and we're seeing the worst sides of doctors even though these people at their essence are amazing folks who are willing to give up eight ten years of their life and watch everybody else party and go ahead to be able to help people. Now they're in a system that doesn't even allow them to help people anymore. Well,
1: I mean that's what you kind of recreated the the hospital, if you will, the, not medicine in itself, but how we apply it and how we get how we reach it. That's that's how you have to do. It. You have to pull them out of the atmosphere, that complete environment to give them to re-energize them and let them know that hey, look, exactly what you were designed to do. We're creating yeah. that platform. They took that away from you. Now we're giving it back to you. Yes. And man, uh, sky's the limit. Yeah. They all have those great ideas. I mean, some of the best medical devices, like tourniquets and chest seals, and stuff like that, and some of the guys who were in the SEAL teams, the medics invented those. Just because yeah. in the field, while we're doing this, and it's hard, and this this is actually what works, right? Yes. And, and getting out and having the courage to go apply it. Yeah. It's literally one of the deals where the hospitals have pushed the doctors into the point to where, all right, man, I'll, I'll go and we're going to try this just because you made it so miserable over here. Yes. It's not supposed to be miserable helping people. No. That's their reward is when they save somebody yes. not really the i mean we talk sometimes like imagine if you saw somebody driving around a Ferrari because that's how special they were to our people that we were them with that the doctors our healers they're they're up there
2: yes they are
1: So second MD, up and running, very successful, saving lives, and that catapulted you into your next next chapter of your life with Medici.
2: Yes. How did that come about? When when you're this deep in healthcare and you're talking to people every day, doctors and patients, and realizing their challenges and their pain and the difference that you can make in their lives, it's you you just almost like uncover the next wall. Here's the next hurdle where people are getting stuck. So people would have these consults. Um, Texas a and ms a client. There's 12 people last year at Texas A&M who were left for dead, who were told their condition was untreatable, who are at home, some of them back at work, alive and living their lives today because they got to speak to some the right person who knew about their condition. So we're sitting um, and getting this feedback, and people say to me, Clint, I had the most remarkable medical experience of my life last night on second MD. I was at home. I spoke to a doctor I would never have had access to, I had my family around me. The doctor took their time, asked me the questions. The doctor asked me, do you have any other questions? I said, I've never had that. The appointment started on time. The next day, the notes were available. I didn't have to fuss with paperwork and insurance and signing all these things. I had this incredible experience. Um, Could you help me connect me to my doctor? So who's your doctor? Oh, uh, Dr. Joel. Like, we don't know Dr. Joel. Well, my family doc. And we realized after hearing this hundreds of times, that people have no way to connect with their, their doctor. And this is a really big problem because the person says, well, how do I take this information back to them now? Because they, it's hard to get in to see them. They rush. They're not going to be able to look through this. Um, can I connect with my doctor? And we're like, oh, that's not what we do. But we heard it so many times. And then we realized just how many things you could solve virtually, not just with your doctor, with your veterinarian, with your ophthalmologist, with your um, uh, dentist. There's all these communication breakdowns with within everything around healthcare. Communication is incredibly difficult. My lawyer, I can just write her an email and she responds and... She may charge me for that. My doctor can't just write the doctor an email. They don't respond. They don't they hide their email address. It goes to an assistant who may or may not call you back. Um, and they say, well, you have to come in, and then you've got to go in. So I had this problem where I realized I'm getting up to pee sometimes twice at night. Sorry to sound crude, but like that's a bit of a problem. you know. I think I'm a bit young for getting up to the restroom. But to ask my doctor if I should be worried about that, I have to book an appointment. I have to sit there and wait, fill out all this paperwork. They ask me about, like, when did um, your grandfather die and your grandmother? And I'm like, I don't know. And I don't think it's really related to any of these things. And I started to notice that when I wrote out nonsense at the doctor's office, so the last few appointments I've been to, I've written I was struck by lightning. Nobody has ever read that because nobody has ever asked me, I see you were struck by lightning. Mm -hmm. So you realize how broken the whole office system is. This doctor can't just Tell you, you have to sit there, wait in the big waiting room. They take you to the little waiting room. Nurse comes in, asks you questions, then says, Okay, the doctor's going to come. in. now I say, Doc, should I be worried? Well, actually, Clint, it's not that hard to treat. I'm like, well, Doc, that would have been great if I could have just texted you that and you could have told me instead of taking like, you know, weeks and a lot of difficulty leaving work to be able to answer that question. So we realized communication is so broken down in, um, in healthcare. And if you can fix communication and make that seamless, You guys know with your backgrounds in the military, when communication is good, stuff gets done. Things get solved. Right now, communication is completely broken. A doctor has to sit behind multiple people. Like, they have to be shielded and protected from you asking a question. Like, that's solvable. And we notice doctors using texts and doctors using WhatsApp and things to be able to answer questions. And they say, well, I'm answering texts and I'm answering these things, but it stinks because... um, I can't prescribe with this and I don't know that it's, it's not legal and I can't charge. We said, well, Doc, well, what if you had an app that allowed you to be able to charge when necessary, to be able to refer, to be able to e-prescribe, that you could just, you know, sitting at home, answer a quick question and keep somebody out of the ER? Would that be helpful for you? And doctor said, man, that's a, that's a huge problem um, for us. So we said, what if we built you a seamless communication platform called Medici, which is Latin for doctor, We didn't know at the time that, I just liked the name, it sounded medical and it sounded like Da Vinci Mm. and we're like, Medici, let's call it that. And then one of our programmers the one day says, uh, you know, he's from Romania, you know, Medici means doctor in my country. I'm like, no, I had no idea. (laughs) Turns out it's Latin for doctor. So um, by God's guidance, we named it a good name. But Medici is now a communication platform for people to be able to access their doctor, their specialist, um, their nurse in a way that is compliant, in a way that is reimbursable, in a way that is sustainable for a doctor to actually work from home and make a living. A doctor is the only professional who can't make money outside of their office. The accountant, the architect, the lawyer, they work from coffee shops, they work on holiday. Doctor has to sit in that office and it stinks for him. So we, said, we think we can change the quality of a doctor's life while greatly benefiting their patients and build a whole new framework around how communication can solve a lot of problems.
1: Was the so was second MD a springboard into Medici in a way that the doctors are that were in second MD are
2: transitioning over to Medici as well? Yes, it, it was a good springboard in being able to understand the legal framework. We had to build a lot of technology for second MD, but it was more a. Um, framework to start with primary care doctors, doctors that you had an ongoing relationship with that you were asking questions. The second MD doctors generally need a lot of medical information and so they um, are not, you know, the the Ebola doctor is not the doctor that you really want to start with uh, on a communication platform because you may not need to speak to them Ever and then on the day that you do so we've started more with the focus around primary care doctors um, with veterinarians pediatricians psychologists psychiatrists those things are really well built out dermatology really well built out and slowly we're moving up the chain towards the second md complexity level right now we're just trying to solve the the common and we're going to move our way to the complex so there's the the easy questions and the referrals and prescriptions and refills and um, things that your doctor that you have a relationship with already um, that you want to start.
1: What kind of timeline are you looking at where, not speaking in absolutes, but what kind of timeline is Medici looking at where it is? It's mainstream, in your opinion, and it's taking taking on,
2: it's driving itself. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, five to ten years would be my guess. Our goal is to have a million doctors on the platform helping a billion people. And I'd love it to take three years. It's probably going to take nine. Um, and we're going to stick with it as long as it takes because it's important enough for people, for moms, who uh, today a teacher um, hears that her kid's sick, has to leave her job, Um, and not be able to take care of those kids, to go take her child to the doctor versus being able to send a text um, or do a quick video consult with the doctor and solve an issue right there and now is available for the 30 children that she teaches at school. And so there are such um, inefficiencies that need solving that we'll, we'll do it as long as what we need Um, obviously we hope that it's shorter because my hair's going grey sure starting to break through here still looks good though. and uh, thank you very much and um, we are blessed to have amazing investors individuals who've built giant companies who've said Clint this is important enough to solve that we'll give you some really good backing to be able to make this a reality Um, and today on Medici we've got uh, 20,000 doctors who use the platform and one capacity or another. And we're trying to help those 20,000 doctors be really successful and then slowly build that up to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Um, Imagine
1: how great it would be if somebody in Magnolia, Texas with symptomatic issues can get on Medici and have access to millions of doctors with millions of perspectives Yes, and refine it in a way that says, that's it.
2: Yeah. What's beautiful now, we've just added translation in 30 languages. So you can now write in Japanese characters or in Spanish to a doctor on Medici who reads it in English, if that's their first language, or they could read it in whatever their first language is and writes back. So we're solving distance now. We're trying to solve language, but we love to get to that point. What's amazing for my wife now, uh, we've got three kids and busy lives. and In one week, she used Medici for my daughter's dermatology. Uh, She used Medici for our dog with the veterinarian and she used Medici for herself with the family doctor.
1: I get, that that kind of leads me down a path. The big shift is for holistic today. People are, people are kind of nervous about medicine as important as it is. Yes. Does Medici have a holistic side to it where, Hey, there's an acupuncture doctor, there's a, a nutritionist, so on and so forth, because we are understanding that the brain and the body with the, the idea and the concept of the second brain and the gut biomes and how important that is. is, is Medici looking at that? Is that something that they're on? Because that is, it's in the shadows right now. Yes. But understanding research and seeing where that's headed, Yeah. I would think one would try to get ahead of that game. What are your thoughts yes. on that?
2: Well, personally, I'm very interested in that because that's my background in being able to help people without drugs and surgery being able to help people heal and be able to help people move and be able to think better and differently. So I'm very motivated to see that happen. Right now, our focus is if you're a healthcare provider, we want to make you accessible. We want to help you um, further what you know and be able to share. So if you're a nutritionist, if you're a dietitian, we want you to be able to use Medici to be able to help your people and hopefully help even more people than the ones that you're I would you're think helping. you would
1: be the first one that would, would do that. The other, the other telemedicine that I've, I've interacted with and seen, they don't do the combination.
2: Yes. Yep. Telemedicine today is just like about uh, getting drugs as quickly yes. with as little issues as things. Like, just give me the drug doc and get me off the phone. And that's a transaction. That's not solving the person's health. That's not saying, hey, wait a minute. This is the third time you've had this medication. Tell me about your background. Tell me why this is happening. Tell me how you're sleeping. Tell me what you ate for breakfast this morning. It's just becoming a, give me a prescription, I'm done. And we think um, telemedicine, virtual care can have a way bigger impact on Yeah, so on Medici's healthcare.
1: looking to be the one-stop shop where once I do get my medical expertise, my nutritionist is, in, is communicating with my doctor to say, this is more than likely the diet because I'm a diabetic that I need to be on.
2: In Medici now, your doctor can loop in your nutritionist, Mm -hmm. or your nutritionist can loop in a doctor and help you find one, or help you find one. And so you can be having—imagine having your conversation with um, the nutritionist and the doctor, asking them the question and having them like figure that out. Sure, that sounds great. Let's do that. Let's do that. I mean,
1: what you've created is a platform for universal healthcare because over the past twenty years, medicine has just hit the gas. And the problem is the gap between what doctors know about the human body of the individual and what humans actually know about their body. Because a lot of times, the doctors, like I said, will get tied up doing stuff that they keep, the the common stuff that they keep coming in. If you notice, you have the same thing every year around the same time. You go in and get the same prescription every time. And that holistic medicine, if you line those up, that home remedy, if you have all those accessed in there, that is the health care. the in the beginning of something going on with you, man, the holistic approach is if it's something more than that, then you go to the doctor. And if it's something more than that, then you go to the surgeon and all yes. those guys kind of uh, talk to each other. Yes. We, um, the mere fact that you can pick up a phone, dial a couple numbers and someone's willing to show up to deal with your problems is healthcare. I mean, that's take money and everything out of it. Just someone's willingness to come over and help you and yeah. then be identified. And then when it comes to the doctors, You don't even think about it. You go into the doctor, they tell you what, you do it, but you don't, you don't look and say, okay, how was I healing up after I was taken? You don't, but you put it all on them and no one's ever taken the time to make their life easier, which is what you're doing now. We've done everything to make the patient's life easier and everything around them, the facilities, everything, when you go in there and except for them, it's gotten tighter on them because if they screw up, then they're worried about lawsuits. You can sue them for anything and, and. They say that that healthcare is a human right. Well, if it takes a human to give you something, then it's not a human right. You have to make them do that. It's a privilege. It's a human privilege that we have. And the more kind of, the wider birth you give them to excel in their profession, then the healthier we'll be. And what you've done and, and the platform of that is really connecting all of that from the homeopathic holistic doctor all the way up to the most special forces surgeon. And... If that's all recorded and checked, those doctors can talk to each other. I mean, you know, some of those people can be victims of being victims. A doctor be like, hey, man, you, it's like, what about Bob, right? And it's like, I I got a doctor for you, man, just trying to pass him off because he's a hypochondriac or something. Yes. It truly is, man. Growing, it could grow itself into something to where going to the hospital would be kind of one of the last-ditch efforts going. Yes. I can, It's all right there. Yeah. The com- Just those common questions. Like you said, you could have told me, this doc, that you weren't the doctor for this four months ago before I came in here. I mean, there's some common questions you fill them out every time you go in there. Yeah. When they get on there, it's just to take the initiative. And pills only cover something up. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, the doctor don't want if he's If you've been on the same pill regimen for a few years, he just doesn't want to deal you. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So we understand that uh, you have a, a Veterans Day initiative. Yes. Of course, that's near and dear to brother and I's heart because being veterans and working in the veteran space. But it's exciting. let Tell our listeners what what's
2: what's on the horizon. Well, it's exciting to be talking with the brothers about it. Uh, we uh, we got these doctors, and we've got this amazing technology, and we're sitting around as a, a team, saying like, "How do we really show the world the impact that Medici can have? The ability to sit at home and you know send a message and have things resolved like is just is just groundbreaking." Um, And so we sat around and we divided into teams and the one team came back and said, what if we offered free consultations to every veteran in America this Veterans Day? And I saw everybody's eyes light up in the room like, oh my gosh, now that is something. So we said, okay, well, let's do a little research and come back. And we convened again and we're like, wait a minute. Firstly, there's 20 million veterans. Wow. Okay. This is a big group of people doesn't scare us. We're dreaming big. Um, The next thing we read is 22 veterans die a day from suicide. More than that. That's just reported. Okay. That's what's reported. For us, that was staggering. Like, already, like, wait a minute. We know we can solve some of those pieces. Then as we started to dive in around the wait times that veterans are having for care, the things that they're struggling with, um, the battle for communication and, like, people in remote areas, things that we've really built our platform around. We just felt better and better about the opportunity of like, wait a minute, this is our group. Like we can, our technology and our passion and that can really do a fantastic job here. Can we afford it? We're going to have to figure that out. Um, But this is something that we'd want to do. So we started to talk about that and we've really been building the last four months towards This initiative we call Operation 1111 where veterans on that day will be able to, they can register now, but they'll be able to come on 1111, talk to a family doctor, an orthopedic doctor, a psychiatrist, a dermatologist um, at no cost. And this is a a dream come true for us. And we've got people coding through the night to make sure the platform can sustain sustain that. We've got um, remarkable uh, veterans like yourselves that are willing to talk about it and um, you know share it, that we can help as many that's people thing, as possible. That's the
1: thing, veterans. We talk, communicate. That'll spread like Wi-Fi. You and I talked about that. Eleven, eleven. You know what that means, right? It means I love you from heaven. I like that. you know that? No. Oh yeah, a song about it.
2: Okay, we might. will work out perfect. Add a theme song to the to yeah. the day. I love you from heaven. Eleven, eleven. And that's all it takes
1: is that little initiative. And with the military, I man, we kind of test cases, anyways. Hmm. And we stand in line for it. Just yeah. Don't, don't, just tell us what you need us to do. More and then... test cases, but we just really kind of volunteer for everything.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, as we heard the stories, as we, we started to to hear from some of the the veterans, we've had veterans coming to our office, and we're hearing the stories of, firstly, what they've done for their country, and it's changing the lives of the people in the office because they're listening to these stories of what these veterans have done, things that you guys have done, and they're like, oh, my goodness me. Like, firstly, we haven't appreciated and really respected what the sacrifice is. We're sitting behind our computers with these freedoms because of what our veterans have done for us. So there's this awe and appreciation. Then you realize the challenges, you know, what they've sacrificed, and now the challenges that they face, you're like, if there's any group in the US that deserves remarkable healthcare like it's these veterans. Like this is the group of people that we can do it for. And while we want to do it on this day, we are hoping that we can launch something sustainable, ongoing, you know, partnering with um, the VA or whoever to be able to really show that we could potentially manage 70 to 80 percent of the the veterans issues just virtually. And what that would do for for quality of care, what that would do for um, efficiency, what that would do for frustration, for everybody is is remarkable. So this is really building into something well beyond just a campaign to help people you on know, the You're creating
1: way. the one thing that's broken in the VA. You just slide right in there. Everything's broken in the VA, right? The only thing that should be broken in the VA are the patients. Yeah. That's but, but I mean that's that kinda because when we're in the military, we, it runs smooth. You show yeah. up medical and dental, it's not even a thing. Anything's wrong with you and then check in, get out, and go do your job and then they they push you along the way. One thing about the vets and the soldiers is they have their appointment, you tell them show show they'll be there waiting, probably early. And if they are complaining, that means they're happy. You know, bitch and sailors are happy uh, sailors, is what they say. So <laughs> um just and that when you talk about the veterans getting around your team members and that vibe kind of picks up. That's what it's like. That's why we kind of do what we do because when you get around the guys, that energy is just flowing, and it, by default, it'll come over on top of you guys. Yeah. And then it's a it's a give and take. Yeah, we went out and did that so you guys could do what you wanted to do, and now we're back together. We road tested all that and, and bringing you everything, all the data you need to put that in there to make your company work. Yeah. And keep your ear to the ground because one of the uniform services that don't get is the credit that they. Or do and have a higher suicide rate than we do. Our first responders, we're learning that. We we are learning about. No, nobody seems to care about them. It would be nice to. Yes. We do, because having them have the ability to reach out to someone, it's taboo enough in the in the in the military to ask for assistance, more so than in, in the first responder space, hmm. and to have a confidential way of doing that. I, yeah. DG, yeah. you might see a. Uh, Positive return on your investment.
2: That's um, that's good for us to uh, to think about and know. When you know that you can just send a text to somebody. Um, men are the worst because they wait for things to really break or for their wives to like just force them to do it. Um, when you can just send a text and start your encounter with a medical mm-hmm. provider that way, versus thinking, "Oh, I'm going to have to go sit in that place." or I'm going to have to fill out all that stuff. Uh, you know, it's just Somebody's going to see me. Somebody's going to see me. I don't, I don't know that. You
1: ought to make them battle buddy up. Yeah. You got to come, you know, two-person integrity. Yeah. That way we want them out to go pick each other out, and then you just, you know, that's how we square each other away. You got yeah. somebody, buddy, I mean.
2: that's um, So we, we want to make it so easy for that veteran, that first responder to be able to say, hey, I need help. Well, tell me what's going on. Well, this has started with it. And sometimes just making that, that opening that door and making that easy, we hope, can just have a gigantic impact. I learned from watching people, that, in my opinion, the people who get the best health care in America are, not do you think, it's friends and family of doctors. People who that's have the easy health <laughs> oh, yeah, are the ones who go, oh, yeah, oh, that's easy for me. I call my uncle. And my uncle just uh, shoots me a text, calls pharmacy, and it gets taken care of. I'm like, oh wow. And people have built all these routes, you know, and directions and roads found around. A way around. <laughs> found a way around because they've got somebody. And what I realized what made the difference is that there's a, a a high level of trust. So it's somebody you trust. It's it's a family member. It's my mother. She's a pediatrician, so we, she just takes care of it for us. So there's a high level of trust and the communication is very easy Mm -hmm. you shot him a text i gave him a call and so those folks they're they like just immune to all this nonsense that we have they're like oh i had to go to the hospital i texted my uncle he called over there he had that all sorted out for me the rest of us who don't have a loved one who's a doctor like man we like digging through like trying to work out all these things ourselves so we're trying to say what if we make some friends Trust and communication and make that available for everybody mm-hmm. that you could have that. How much could we solve when you just have to say, oh, yeah, I shot him a text and they said, hey, Clint, you better come in today. I need to see you in my office right now. We're going to get to the bottom of this. You know, and other things, you don't have to go in. Sure. So All those occasions that you, we want to be able to bring that trust and convenience in a way that um, Create a family network for them. Yes. How do you download Medici? You go to the App Store. You can go to the Google Store. You can go to the Apple Store and you can look for Medici. Download um, the app. You can invite your doctor to Medici. Some doctors get an invite and they go, yeah, I'd love to be part. And others go, what's this? Sometimes you have to press them a little when you go and say, hey doc, I'm waiting for you to respond to me Um, on Medici. We are also building a network that will be ready by 11 11 that there will be a pediatrician a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, a family doctor, and some others available in all 50 states. So if you don't have a doctor or your doctor's not responding, there's a network for you. The cost of these consults are incredibly reasonable. We let the doctor set the rate, and we're surprised at how cheap some doctors are willing to help their patients. It's amazing. We um, see around $30 to $40 for primary care visits, and we see $70 to $100 for specialty visits, which is a fraction. Uh, you can use your health savings account uh, or your flexible spending account. You can use your credit card. And a lot of the insurance companies will count it towards your deductible if you submit the form.
1: That'd be a way you can you have an, your military identification number type that in to where the, the government picks that up.
2: Yes, it's you know I mean? very solvable.
1: and it, Because it's, I mean, Everybody, but you have the first responders and the last responders. Basically, anybody who threw on a uniform and goes out to protect our people, yes. they kind of have that. That's a, That's the beautiful part about doing this. Because you were willing to do that, we're going to do this for you. That's one thing about America. This country's great. We can solve any of our problems. Everyone, the answers are there. Just everyone's in too many different directions or there's too many rules on it. Yes. I mean, when the housing crash went down, we swiped a check like that. Yes. They are, everyone wants to help. I mean, there's so many, especially with our generation, there's 43,000 nonprofits for military. Gee. And you condense all that and let them know that there's that one big, that center hub, right, that you can go to and network and look
2: into. The good news is that we think we could deliver concierge VIP feeling care for veterans, maybe for first responders too. And it doesn't have to cost a cent more. There there doesn't, it's not like you have to go find a new budget. You just have to be able to triage and manage.
1: Yeah, it's there. That's what I'm saying, the The money's there.
2: Yeah, We, um, we we can have veterans feel like they have got five star care and, you know, their care is a text away and it doesn't have to, there's nobody having to go and find a new budget for it. That's the the focus, and with with uh, your guidance and how we do this, we we think we can make this.
1: We're more than willing to help, and God bless you for doing everything you do. Thank oh, you yeah, for well, spending nice your you your
2: morning with us too. Yeah, Morgan, thank you, Marcus, thank you. This is gonna be fun, honor. right? You got the most comfortable chairs anywhere. <laughs> I love it, and it's a real honor to spend time with you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. God bless you.
1: Yeah, you make it through these gates, bro. There's something we uh, like I said, we gotta file you part of the team now. So. if anything that was extremely informative no i mean he had the the story to go along with it but w- what he's created out of his story just besides the lessons learned man it's uh, as far as medical le- breaking down the silos l- leading the te- the way technology has pushed past science and medicine this is inevitable and i admire what he's had. I-, I know firsthand from working in D.C., how challenging it is just to get somebody to open the door, listen to what you have to say, and the fact that he has 10 million folks utilizing this, his first app and then second MD and now uh, Medici. Yeah, and then the Veterans Day
0: initiative on 11-11. It's going to be a big deal. Yeah.
1: I hope the word gets out with that. I, I pray the VA supports that.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, Morgan, you and I talked about it a little bit before the, the, the show started, before we even interviewed him today, was that there's a lot of competition in that space. Yeah. But after we kind of dove into that interview, it seems like he's trying to take on the fact that some of these telemedicine companies are just going straight to the pharma, right? He's straight mm-hmm. to the meds. And he was like, no, no, no. Let's try to get to the root. Let's oh, try yeah, to figure so out the problem. Oh, yeah, we're doing, cutting through the of yeah, all that. Let's
1: get something else going. So, Shave
0: off that worthless stuff. And- well, Clint, thank you for sharing your story with us. We enjoyed it. If you're a veteran or you know a veteran... Share this podcast episode with them because Veterans Day, Eleven eleven. Eleven eleven. Operation eleven eleven. Yeah, I mean it was to be awesome. The total number of veterans out there, and
1: it, not all of them need healthcare right now, right? Some of them, but there are those out there that do need it that aren't searching for it because kind of it's all muddied up. And we think this guy's doing his best to kind of it's quick, just a tool in that that your toolbox. Down. Yeah, that's right. Verbal an tool. tool in your toolbox, Utilize in any way you can. If you want to be the first one to know when we drop a new episode, then you need to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can press the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast player to be notified the moment we release a new episode. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player out there. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests along the way, including one of our teammates, Justin Legg, UFC president Dana White, and one of our hometown heroes down here in Houston, Jim McInville. If
0: you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we keep our followers up to date with new gear, new sales, new guests, new events, and tons of other stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. If you're not following us yet, you're missing out. Follow us right now at team underscore never quit. You can keep up with Marcus at Marcus Trail, Morgan at Mojo Littrell, and me at Andrew Brockenbush on Instagram. Thank you guys for tuning in every week. Good job, good show, guys.
1: Talk to the team out there, thank you so much for being a part of this and bringing us back and letting us bring in these new... Uh, these new guests to hear their story and bring them to the team, man. It's keep listening. It's really we'll keep doing it. Absolutely. Thank you again. We're out.